0: It's matter. I'm gonna move away from her because she's making faces at me. I'm gonna come over here. You're gonna make faces at me too. All right, fair enough. All right, That's the way it works, I guess. <clears throat> Amen. So, as some of you may know, my name's Gary Pretty, the pastor here at Wesley Chapel, and uh, some of you may know this, some of you may not. But my wife and I, we have some horses, and I've I've become kind of a horse nut over the last uh, few years. Anyway, not to say I'm a horse whisperer or anything like that, but but we started rescuing some horses, and, and one thing I found out, or one thing I've, I've been forced to find out, uh, through bad experiences, right, is whenever we get a horse, we don't know what they know. Usually they, they're not wild, right, but they, they know stuff, but we don't know what they know. So we have to, like, start training with them, start working with them as though they don't know anything, like we don't know anything, right? So we have to be on the same page with them, right? So we have to start with the basics, even though they may be, one of them's a... A former racehorse, you know, so he's he knows a lot more about being a horse than I ever would, right? Amen. So, but but so that we're on the same page, we start at the very basics, the very the very foundational stuff. If you've ever been around horses or not, uh, or pretty much any kind of animal, even human beings, right? We respond to one thing in life and that is pressure, right? Pressure moves us wherever we want to go, and the horse is the same way. The pressure moves us, but. But for the horse to, to use that, right, that pressure to move the horse, to get the horse to, to do what comes naturally to him, or her in this case, that <clears throat> you want the horse to, to really understand how fantastic they are. Because if you don't know, horses are great. But if they don't know that, if they don't know that they could, that you can be great together, then they're just going to like, I just want some hay, some water, and kind of leave me alone. Right? That's all they want It's just... The, just, just leave me alone, give me some hay, give me some water, and just don't bother me. But that, that's kind of a meh life, right? In order for them to be, like, to be able to do all the, the fancy stuff, and for my wife, she uses them in therapy, for her to, for her to be able to trust them around a the kid, then, then what, we, what do you have to do to have that horse to be able to do that? You have to be able to trust them, right? And, and they have to be able to trust you. So usually the way it works is, is that we try to we, the first thing we always start off with is building the connection, and we use that pressure thing to teach them to connect with the horse. right We teach them that the way that they avoid pressure is me. I'm the source of relaxation, or my wife is, right? Like we're the, we're the, we're the place. If you want peace, come to me." That's what we teach them, right? We teach them they, they move away from it, and then when we remove it, they look at us, and they're like, "Ah, oh, there you are. I was running from that rope. It had me scared to death. But there you are, and they'll stop running. They'll just stop and walk over to you like, Hey, how you doing? Thank goodness that rope's gone. It will scare me to death. We have to teach the horse to be with us first. Before they can do anything for us, before they can jump the barrels or, or run around the poles or do any of that stuff, before they can do any of that, they first have to know that they can be with us. They don't have to be out by themselves. That the best place for them to be is actually right here next to me. But you have to teach them that. Very similar thing about what we understand about Jesus. Is the best place for us to be is for him to be with us, right? But when when we think of, in Christianity, we think of that Jesus came for us, right? Easter, he came to die for our sins, right? Before Easter, though, what comes? Christmas. And Christmas is the time when we remember God is with us. With us has to come before the for us. We have to get this part, that he is actually with us. Before the for us that he did for us on Easter, before it really matters. Because if we don't have the connection with him, that him dying for our sins on the cross, we don't really get it until we get the fact that he came to be with us. And so that's what I wanted to talk to you about tonight. Raise your hand if you would. <coughs> yes, this is interactive, and, and no, that's not a, well, you know, one of those questions that don't really ask for an answer. But raise your hand if you would, if you've ever prayed the prayer, God be with me. You ever prayed that prayer? Hey, Amen, I think we all have, right? It, whether No matter what it was, it was a test we were taking, or, or we were about to knock on the door to pick up a girl for prom, or, or whatever it was. We were like, Lord, please be with me. I'm scared to death, right? we prayed that prayer, God, be, it may have been a really short prayer. Some of you added a whole lot of stuff to it, that God be with me. But what do we mean when we pray that God be with me? What do we mean, what do we mean by that? Did, <coughs> how is God being there in that moment going to make a difference? I mean, does it make a difference? Does it really make a difference? I mean, is he going to get you out of the problem that you're in? Is that why you pray that God be with me right now? But, but what if the problem gets worse? If the problem gets worse, does that mean that, that, that he didn't hear your prayer? Or did he doesn't care? Does it mean either one of those? If, if we prayed, did, did, did he not hear, did I not pray the right way? Did I not pray it out loud, loud enough? What happened? This isn't a new question. This isn't a new thing to wrestle with. If you've wrestled with it, I have, we all have. It's not something I just came up with earlier this week. It's been the, it's been the, the line of ancient Christmas carols that we just sang. O come, O come, Emmanuel. That song dates back to the 8th century. the 8th century, they've been singing that song for quite, those lyrics, for quite a while. Back then, they weren't carols like we sing them now, they they chanted songs, they chanted. And it, it was not like we would think of as singing Christmas carols at all. But that, those lyrics are based in scripture that go even further back. That God is with us. (coughs) Oh come, O come, Emmanuel. I'll just give you a heads up. Uh, If you're tired of me coughing into this microphone already, me too. Uh, So I've been dealing with this sinus thing for quite a few weeks now. And uh, just ask for your patience with me. Amen. Amen. Thank you for that. Um, So Emmanuel means God with us. We find that in in Scripture exactly. In the Gospel of Matthew, explicitly it's, lays it lays out that now. Now, each of the Gospels, you may not know this, but each of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, each of them were written to a different audience, right? Different, it was intended for different groups of people. Matthew was written to the Jews. It was written to people who had, uh, to a predominantly Jewish audience, right, who had been waiting for this promised Messiah. The, the Jews were waiting for a Christ to come. They'd been waiting for hundreds and thousands of years for this Christ to come. So the most important thing that Matthew pulls out in his gospel when he talks about the birth of Jesus is, is the prophetic moments, the, the times where, where Jesus is connected to the Old Testament. Jesus of the, of the New Testament is actually the, Jesus, the Messiah of the Old Testament that we've been waiting for. That's what Matthew builds it up again. And so much so that Matthew skips over the manger scene completely. He did not even have it in there. It's like one of the most iconic pictures ever, right? But Matthew doesn't even record it. But he says in Matthew chapter 1, verse 21, She'll give birth to a son, and you are to give him the name Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins, he wrote. All this will, took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. One of these prophecies that had been, been declared about Jesus years ago, the virgin will be with a child, and she will give, and, and will give birth to a son, and they will call him Emmanuel, which means... God with us. It was a significant thing. God with us. That part there in the quotation marks, that the virgin will be born with a child and give birth to a son, that, <coughs> that is related to the, what the prophet Isaiah wrote. Get this. 740 years before. 740 years before Jesus was born, this was written. It says, I don't have it on the screen, but, Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. That was written 740 years before Matthew. Before Jesus. The fact that it was prophesied 740 years before it happened should be reason enough to give your life to follow him. Should, that should be enough. Like, okay, like somebody predicted it 740 years before it happened? Fair. Done. I'm in. But for some of us, that isn't enough. What would it take for you today to give your life to follow Christ? What would it take? Back at the first Christmas, if you remember, after the birth of Jesus, you remember who showed up? Some shepherds, right? They they followed that star. They worshipped. When they got there, they worshipped with Mary and Joseph. Then they went back to the fields. And what did they do when they got back to the fields? They told everybody. They were singing. They were, they were having a good... We, they, they even wrote a song, Go Tell It on the Mountain, right? <laughs> no, that's not how it worked. But, but that's the song that we sing, right? It's about these shepherds. What sent them back rejoicing? Or the... You know, sometime later, we, we celebrated in January usually, that these these wise men traveled hundreds of miles to come and worship this baby Jesus. They brought gifts. Traveled hundreds of miles. What caused those wise men to fall at their knees and worship Jesus? What would do that? What could possibly do that? It wasn't a God that was far away. I mean, who would be motivated by some distant half-interested God? Nobody. No, this was God. This wasn't, this wasn't just a watching over you kind of God. This was a God with you. This was Emmanuel. And it changed everything. The Word became flesh. That's what the Gospel of John records it as. The Word became flesh and lived among us. Lived with His people. Now for some of us, this is all too much to believe. It's too, like, far out like it's too I, I know because I was there where, where you are if you're one of those folks who see this is just too much I was there Christmas is one of, those <clears throat> one of those times though where your highs and your lows are magnified I don't know if you've experienced that or not but I mean if things are going well in your life then Christmas is fantastic I mean you got gifts Falling out the door, you got every I mean, everything is great. But if life isn't going so well, Christmas is also one of those times where it can be the hardest times for many people who are going through difficulty in life. Perhaps you're missing somebody for the first time this season. It makes it hard. It makes it very hard. We can't get it off our mind. We, we love to experience God this season, but... We can't get out of that, that that difficulty. Maybe you just don't really feel His presence. I mean, you know there's a person sitting next to you. You can feel them. But you don't feel the presence of God. So you're not so sure. If anything, you may feel far from God, actually, during this season. For others, we're going through some 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 really difficulty I mean it, it, if he's with me then where is he right if you're going through hard times and God is with you then show up right and that's what we want and if he's not showing up then what's the problem if he's with me why is it so hard why are why is everything going seem to be going against me if he's with me if, if Emmanuel God is with us if that's true then why, why, why does it seem like? Why does it it seem like he's not? And then there are others of us who actually don't want God to be with us. Like, like that's the last thing that I want, is God to be intruding himself into my life. Because life is pretty good. And and after everything I've done and, and what I'm about to do, Frankly, I wouldn't want God looking over my shoulder. If he's here, he's probably pretty upset with me. So uh, it'd be good if he wasn't. Wherever you are in that, before the end of our worship tonight, we're going to share Holy Communion and we're going to sing with some candlelight. Before you walk out the doors tonight, I pray that you know that he is with you. I pray that you know that he is with you. He always has been and he always will be knowing that, Emmanuel can change your life. I promise you that. Luke chapter 1, verse 28, where it all started. The angel went to her, that's Mary, right? And said, greetings. Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Now, if, if you don't know the story, he's just, this angel just told Mary that she's going to have a baby. <clears throat> I can only imagine uh, and I didn't think to ask my wife, but, or my daughter. I can only imagine the, the thoughts of a 13-year-old girl if she were told that she's pregnant. Especially if she's a virgin. I can't imagine the thoughts that are racing through her head. I mean, the fear. The, oh my Lord, are you kidding me? Like, I, I can't imagine. That's Mary. She just heard this news had to be terrified. Alone? Who would understand? Who could she talk to? Who could she tell this to? This is exactly where Emmanuel comes into her life. God with you right now. Right now, right where you are. Maybe maybe you feel alone. Emmanuel tells you that, that he is your companion. God is your companion. Maybe you're sick. Emmanuel is your healer. Emmanuel co- comes into your life as your healing. His presence brings healing itself. Maybe, maybe it's that you're feeling lost and, and uh, without direction. He is your God, Emmanuel. leads, Wants to lead your life. If you're hurt, he wants to bring you hope. If you're weak, he wants to be your strength. If you're you're stuck in the sin, he wants to be a savior. He's the only one who's going to want to be all of those things. (coughs) Paul, the apostle, he wrote to the church in in 2 Corinthians, he said, he described God in this way, in in chapter uh, 1, verses 3 through 5, he said that, that he described God as the comforter who comforts us in all our troubles. That God is a God of comfort who comforts us in all our troubles so that we can comfort others. This word that he's described here, right? <coughs> this word, parakaleo, this word of, of comfort is God coming alongside of us. Like literally to, to hold us in the midst of our difficult and our hardness. The hardness of life. That God is with you, literally beside you now. Parakaleo. I know in my life, when I fail to see God in the difficulties, in the storms of life, I mean, you know, let's, let's be honest, it's, it's pretty easy to be thankful when everything's going good. right? I mean, it's pretty easy to, to recognize God when, when everything's when it's coming up aces, right? When everything is positive, when everything is good, when you get the bonus check, when you, when you get that extra, that check comes in the mail that you weren't expecting, and you're like, ah, praise the Lord. right? It's easy to praise the Lord then. But in the time of difficulties, when it's hard, when life is kicking you, right? It's, I, I know in my life it has always been hard to see those, see God at work in my life in those times. Because I'm just trying to survive. I'm just trying to get through the day. I'm, I'm consumed with whatever the problem is. Trying to avoid it. trying to Trying to get out from under it. But I want to tell you, when we don't see Jesus because of our storm, there's a story in the Bible about that. One of the disciples, right? Jesus goes walking out on the water to his disciples, and one of them says, "Hey, hey, I want to come out there, Jesus." And Jesus says, "Come on out." And Peter gets out of the boat, starts to walk on water. And it's like everybody in the boat they, it doesn't say, but everybody in the boat's got to be like, "What? Did you see that? That's Peter doing that." Then what happened? He saw the waves, and he sunk. He saw the storm. He saw the circumstance. He took his eyes off of Jesus, and he saw his situation. That should tell us something. That if we can just focus, in the midst of your storm, if you can just focus on Emmanuel, God with me, no matter how difficult, no matter how painful it is, focus on Jesus, not your problem. Emmanuel, he is with you. He wants to be the answer to all those, every, whatever your situation is. He wants to be the solution. He don't want you to find and figure out the solution. He wants to be it. He wants to be it for you. It's better to be in a storm with Jesus than anywhere else without Him. Than anywhere else without Him. So just hold on to Him. If you're in the storm, one of the best ways to reset things so so you can see Him it's the not focus on the storm that you're in, but instead look back and remember how he's delivered you in the past. That's, that's one thing I've certainly found. <clears throat> to remember that God was with me then. Back then, when, when that happened, he, he showed up. Like right now, I, don't, I can't figure it out. Right now, things seem overwhelming. But then, boy, did he come through. Boy, did he make a difference. It's just easier to look deeper hindsight's twenty-twenty. We say that all the time, right? Well, maybe you don't, but I say it all the time. Why? Because I can look back and see clearly in my life how he's moved, right? We can see so much better looking back with perspective on our life than we can when we're right in the middle of it. We miss so much when we're right in it. But Boy, if you just take a second and look back at how faithful he has been, how good he has been, how gracious he has been throughout your life, Boy, does that give you encouragement in the midst of the storm that you're facing. In the moment, I get it, we're just trying to survive. But boy, is he working. Boy, is he moving. If you can just see it. One person I think of in in Scripture whenever I I think about this is Joseph. If you don't remember the story of Joseph, he was was a favorite. He was was the youngest of the family. Babies in the family, anybody here? Yes, amen, we're the favorite child. Sorry, all 'all. y'all. that's just the way it worked out. So, uh, <laughs> amen. So, so Joseph was a favored child in the family, and there was no bones about it. He told all his brothers how much how favored he was, right? And his brothers, they, they loved hearing about that so much that they wanted to kill him. <clears throat> but instead of killing him, they just put him in a well and sold him off as a slave. It was better than killing him, I guess. But while he was a slave, while he was a slave, he got arrested for, for doing something he didn't do, and he got thrown into prison. Right? All this stuff, one thing after another. He was supposed to get out of prison. He didn't, the way it happened. <clears throat> it was just a, a chain of just chaotic events in, in Joseph's life. But when he did get out, Gen- Genesis chapter 39 tells us, the Lord was with Joseph in the prison and showed him his faithful love. And the Lord made Joseph a favorite with the prison warden. Even, in the, even when everything was going wrong, it seemed like everything was going wrong for Joseph. God was with me. God was always with me. Looking back in my own life, my personal life, I can tell you that when I saw, when I knew our marriage was struggling with my wife and I, I didn't have a clue how to love my wife. I had no clue. But God was there with me. God was willing to show me how to love my wife. He heard a, a cry of desperation, and that in that event, that, that something that I would never want to go through again, it brought us both to faith in Him, in His Son Jesus. It's, it transformed both of our lives. And the worst thing that ever happened to us. When, when we agreed to, to live our lives in ministry, right? I was going to go to seminary, but, but at the time, my wife, she was at home raising two little kids, and, and I, was, yeah, I, was, I was teaching school. I wasn't making much. As a new school teacher. I wasn't making much money. I knew that I would go to seminary, but I had no idea how we were going to pay for it. And I can tell you to this day that I went to seminary for five years, six years, I don't know, it seemed like forever. <clears throat> Every semester, there was enough money there to pay for the tuition. Every semester, I, I, I don't think, I've had to think back about it. I don't believe that we ever wrote a check of ours for any seminary. Ever. Not, not In the whole six years, we never spent a dime. that that God provided all the way through. People, like the strangers, would say, hey, you're in seminary. Here's this. Use it for your tuition. Just out of the blue, God shows up. He's blessed me. I'll never deny it. So when I come to Christmas Eve, when I come to Christmas Eve to see that, that God came to be with us, Emmanuel, if that's true, if that's true that God wants to be with me, he wants to be with you, what's an what's appropriate response to that? The God of the universe. He's always been there. And the last one, he always will be. He'll be there when something happens. He'll be there whatever comes next. <clears throat> if, if you could look ahead till tomorrow, or five years from now, What would you see? Well, we have no clue, do we? We have no idea. We have no idea who who in this room is going to find out they have cancer. We have no idea who in this room is going to find out some troubling news about their marriage. Or who's going to be married that right now can't imagine. Don't know where you're going to work. Or if you'll be working or you'll be like one of those pleasantly retired people. who just get to do whatever they want. Have all that free time to go fishing. <clears throat> the retired people are laughing because they know you don't have any time to go fishing. <clears throat> I think of Mary. When, when she was told that she was with child, right? Like, what did she look forward to? <laughs> wow. What, what do I do now? How do I tell Joseph? How do I, I don't tell my parents? How am I, I going to do this? What will my family say? Well what we don't know at the time, what she didn't know at the time was what all would happen to Jesus. Like like when she would be there at the cross, she didn't know that that was coming. Wow, if she'd only known, right? But what would she have done if she'd have known? Maybe if we knew the future, what would we do? Other than, Lord, be with me, right? <laughs> Go back to the prayer. Lord, be with me. Romans chapter 8, <clears throat> Johnny's favorite scripture passages here. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or, or, or nakedness? I'm not sure how that fits in with all the others, but uh, <clears throat> I get hardship, persecution, famine, nakedness, I'm not sure. Uh, I don't know how that would separate us from God, but it might. Danger or sword? What's going to separate us from the love of God? In Christ. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through Him who loved us. For I'm convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels or demons, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither the height nor depth, or anything in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Nothing can separate you from the love of God in Christ. Nothing. When God says, I'm Emmanuel, or my son Emmanuel is coming to be with you, there's nothing that can separate that from you. Nothing. God is with you. Today, yesterday, tomorrow, He's there. And all He wants is a relationship with you. All He wants is for you to acknowledge Him and say, lead me. I'll follow you. Nothing can separate you from Him. It doesn't matter what doubts you may have. It doesn't matter what, what mistakes you may have made, what disappointments you have. It doesn't matter what, what failure or what sin you've committed. It doesn't matter. None of that can separate you from God's love for you in Christ. That He wants to hold you up. He wants to be your Emmanuel. Emmanuel never leave you, nor forsake you. That you would never be alone, no matter what life may bring. On Christmas, or the day after. He is, He was, and He always will be with you. There's no question about that. If you've lived enough life, you know that you can look back and see the times where God has moved in your life and, and we can say, well, if he's been there then, then he'll be there again. So there's no question about God wanting to be Emmanuel for you, with you. The question is, are you with God? Are you walking with him? Because he, he's there. He's there. Are you taking him places where he wouldn't want to go? Or are you just going wherever he wants to lead you? I pray this Christmas you experience Emmanuel fully. I'd like to pray for you. Lord Jesus, we love you. We thank you for your goodness and your grace. We thank you that you are Emmanuel. And this night and others, Lord, we get to be in your presence and to celebrate you. That no matter what life is bringing our way, hmm, the good news is that you are here. And that's not changing. We love you, Lord. And we thank you. Amen. 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 So tonight we are going to share in Holy Communion together. Um, We will do that, (coughs) and as you come up to receive the elements tonight, um, we will also, on your way to your seat, we'll give you a candle that you'll take back to your seat with you. Um, We have gluten-free elements for you if you need those. Uh, We also have (coughs) some packaged elements for those of you who would prefer to have that. Uh, as well, so know that the table is, this is the Lord's table and he wants you, he wants to share himself with you, so uh, you don't have to be a member of this church or any church Uh, this is his offering for you, and he would like to share himself with you tonight in in Holy Communion, so um, everybody's welcome, All right.